Super Bowl champion Odo Beckham Jr. is still a free agent. He's still a baller. It's showtime. He high points the ball. Touchdown, OBJ. OBJ brings it in. Whenever he gets the ball, I think everybody's holding their breath. They know he can take it the distance. And that's what Odell Beckham Jr. brings to your team. No count. This is my Jr. still has the potential to be a dynamic piece in a contender's offense, but do you want to pay the money for him? We'll get into that in just a little bit. Why are you doing that? What, what is that? UConn? Are, are you saying that your Huskies, are, are you saying that your socks are UConn socks? Red, white, blue, the color okay. of UConn. Uh, we'll talk about UConn a little bit later on. That... <laughs> <laughs> that is going to be a topic of discussion as they're in the national championship and Dan is proudly supporting his school. We welcome you to NFL Live. Dan, Mina, Adam is here. Hey, let's talk about Odell Beckham Jr. He remains unsigned. There have been a number of sticking points in his journey to find a new team as you see him working out for some teams recently. Adam Schefter, what's the latest? Well, Laura, who would have thought that Aaron Rodgers might be the single factor holding up Odell signing in the end? But I think everybody, including Odell Beckham Jr., is waiting to see if and when the Jets get a deal done with Aaron Rodgers, at which point Odell Beckham Jr. would have some interesting uniting forces with Aaron Rodgers, and obviously the interest would be mutual with Rodgers having mentioned Beckham's name to the Jets front office during their visit. So I think these two sides are waiting to see what happens. In the interim, the Baltimore Ravens have met with Odell Beckham Jr. They've presented him their own offer. We'll see which Odell Beckham Jr finds more interesting, but it certainly sounds like it's the Jets, it's the Ravens, maybe the Rams still would have an interest, but those at this point in time would be the obvious landing spots for Odell Beckham Jr. in what has been one of the longest free agent recruitments that we've ever seen. I mean, stop me if you've heard this before, that uh, Aaron Rodgers is the domino that needs to fall for other things to happen. Of course, <laughs> we'll keep an eye on that and more Adam coming throughout the show. But ESPN's Rich Samini reported that Beckham is thought to be seeking a deal in the one-year $15 million range. Okay, so here's the company OBJ would potentially be in if he gets a contract worth $15 million per year. Three wide receivers currently making between $15 and $16 million. That's Hunter Renfro, Allen Robinson, and Cortland Sutton. All of those three players combined for only seven touchdown catches last year. So it kind of puts in perspective. I know 15 million feels like a lot of money for us normal people, but just what the value is for that type of player right now in the league. Is Odell worth it, Dan, for a contending team at that price? Yeah, if he's going to give you the, those, those 45 catches for like 500 yards, which is kind of what those three players that were on that graphic averaged last year, absolutely. Now, this is the assumption game of is Odell back to being – healthy like he was in the back end of that Super Bowl run. And I love the addition to the Jets because he's not the guy. He's the guy to get the matchup. Garrett Wilson is the guy, and he's a 1,000-yard or 1,400-yard receiver, 100-catch guy with Aaron Rodgers next year in New York. Odell's the matchup, and for the Jets, it's really, do you want Odell added to that offense while also being able then to do whatever you want with the 13th pick and likely another second-round pick? Or do you have to feel like you mandatory – need to get a receiver at potentially 13 or that second extra second round pick because you don't have Odell. That's weighed into this conversation, not only the price tag, but how he fits into their offense. I don't know if they're holding on to that extra that second round pick with the Rodgers trade. So um, this is tricky for me because so much of it depends on what Dan said, which is, is Odell the guy we saw 
during the Super Bowl run because uh, over the course of the 2021 season, he played, he started 13 games. If you just look at from when he joined the Rams in the fall and even take out the Browns, he ranked outside the top 50 in yards per route run, yards after catch per, uh, per target, catch rate, several statistics. However, when you got to the playoffs and he kind of rounded into form and they figured out how to use him with Cooper Cup, he produced at the level we really saw early in his career. Yeah. And if I could guarantee, Dan, that these teams were getting that guy, I would say $15 million is a no-brainer, especially for a team like the Jets that's so clearly all in. Yeah. I'm a little bit more skeptical about the Ravens. Um, but it is a bit of a question mark and a bit of a projection, and I think it's going to come down to whether or not there's like a legitimate market for him at that price. Mm. And that's a question he may want. $15 million a year, but he could want whatever number he wants. It's going to be a question here sure. of what teams are willing to offer. And we don't know that he's got an offer of $15 million, maybe with incentives, yes. But the fact of the matter is you could want anything you want, but really the reality is what a team is going to be willing to pay him. And in the end, if it's that much more than another team, then that would give that team an advantage. Yeah, you, ask for, you, you shoot for high, and hopefully a, a team kind of comes in somewhere near that number. Two things I do think are important to point out when it comes to the Jets equation. Number one, you only do it if it, you can guarantee it does not hinder the development and growth of Garrett Wilson. Because yeah. I honestly mm. believe Garrett's a top five player at that position with Aaron. The second thing is they do have two good tight ends in New York. So now we are starting to have the conversation of two good tight ends, two good young backs. You, all, you already have Garrett that I mentioned and signed Alan Lazard. You want to make sure that you're in the optimum personnel groupings for your football team, not just acquiring, you know, brand name talent, so to speak. So it's got to be a really good ideal setting for both parties. I hear what you're saying. It also makes sense to me that Odell, certainly not the healthy younger Odell that we once saw, might be in a better situation in an offense like that where he doesn't have to be the 100%. main guy, which certainly that would be the case in New York. All right, an Aaron Rodgers update is coming in seconds. Plenty more happening around the league right now. Adam, get us caught up on top stories. We begin with D-line prospect Jalen Carter out of Georgia. Hey, he's in Chicago today visiting with the Bears, and a lot of people had wondered whether the Bears would take Jalen Carter with the first overall pick. Well, they traded back in the draft, and now maybe they wind up taking him where they're sitting with the pick that they got in return from Carolina. Interestingly enough, the agent for Jalen Carter told teams he is not going to visit any team with a pick outside the top 10, so Drew Rosenhaus feels very confident that Jalen Carter will be a top 10 pick. Meanwhile, we await for interest in Lamar Jackson. There still is not an offer sheet that we've heard. There still is not a visit that we've heard. And so we will continue to wonder if and when there will be another team that is interested in trying to make some sort of deal happen with Lamar Jackson. But that market has been quiet so far. And we continue to wait on a potential trade for Aaron Rodgers, which could come down draft week potentially. The Green Bay Packers are fairly dug in in their asking price from the New York Jets. The Jets are fairly dug in on what they're willing to offer. And so these two sides continue to do a dance with no end in sight. And obviously Aaron Rodgers has said he wants to be in New York playing for the Jets. But these two sides continue to be at a stalemate with no solution in sight. Everybody believes ultimately in the end they'll figure out something that gets Rodgers to New York. But here we are in early April, and it doesn't appear to be close as of this moment. 
Yeah, uh, excuse my laughing there. I was just thinking about the two teams like actually dancing the, the front offices of the teams. Anyway, um, either way, we're 25 days until the draft. Okay, so for those of you at home with your little Aaron Rodgers calendars, you can X off some days and we get a lot more coming your way here today on NFL Live just getting started. And let's talk about Kyler Murray. That's next. He's out for the start of the season. DeAndre Hopkins, his future is still unknown. We'll discuss what we think the Cardinals should do come draft day with that number three overall pick. Plus, does Tennessee quarterback Hinden Hooker have the potential to be a starter in the league. We will debate and tell you who might need to take him. NFL Live is brought to you by Liberty Mutual Insurance. Only pay for what you need. We'll be right back. What if in 2024 you got a little bit better every day? When you're learning a new language with Babbel, that's exactly what you're doing. And if Babbel can help you start speaking a new language in just three weeks, imagine what you could do in a full year. Don't pay hundreds of dollars for private tutors or waste hours on apps that don't really help you speak the language. Try Babbel, the science-backed language learning app that actually works. Babbel's quick 10-minute lessons are designed by over 200 language experts to help you start speaking a new language in as little as three weeks. It's designed by real people for real conversations. Babbel's tips and tools are approachable, accessible, rooted in real-life situations, and delivered with conversation-based teaching, so you're ready to practice what you've learned in the real world. They have over 16 million subscriptions sold. Plus, all of Babbel's 14 award-winning language courses are backed by their 20-day money-back guarantee. Here's a special limited-time deal for our listeners. Right now, get 60% off your Babbel subscription, but only for our listeners at babbel.com tackle. Get 60% off at babbel.com slash tackle. Spelled B-A-B-B-E-L dot com slash tackle. Rules and restrictions may apply. Hi, it's Mike Greenberg letting you know ESPN Bet is ready to take you through all the biggest sports moments this spring. The official sportsbook of ESPN has exclusive offers and markets from Scott Van Pelt, Stephen A. Smith, and me, plus many more. From the playoff intensity to finally getting out to the ballpark, there's no better time for sports fans. Sign up today. New users get a bet reset up to $1,000 in bonus bets if your first bet doesn't win. Download ESPN Bet today. What a play. Must be 21 plus and present in select states. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER. Terms and conditions apply. See app for details. Don't miss week eight of the XFL with double headers on Saturday and Sunday. The Vipers square off against the Battlehawks. Then the Renegades take on the Guardians. Coverage begins at 1 Eastern on ESPN and ESPN Deportes. And Sunday afternoon, it's the Brahmas and Roughnecks on 3 Eastern at ABC, followed by the Defenders and Sea Dragons on ESPN2. Every game also available, as always, on ESPN+. Plus. Glad you're with us here on NFL Live. It's time to read and react with some interesting news that you need to know. So we begin with the Bills, and Buffalo legend Jim Kelly said this about the team's needs. This will make it rough. Josh can't do everything by himself, and uh, I hope they find a way to get a, you know, a star running back. But I always thought Singletary was pretty good. I just didn't think we used him enough. Um, but you know what? When you've got a guy as good as Josh Allen, they tend to probably get a little greedy and want to use him more than you probably should. But uh, Ken Dorsey's doing a great job. And Josh, I just hope that uh, we get that running game going to take some of the pressure off him. Dan, you agree? I completely agree that they need to get the running game going. I just don't think it's an investment in a high tailback selection. The reason why this offensive in a general fell off a little bit and the run game wasn't there last year is not because they didn't have talent at running back. 
They need better offensive line play. They need a higher level of talent. They need to get a little bit younger. And they need a full commitment from that unit to not be a bottom 10 run blocking unit like they were last year. There's people in place to run the football well. That offensive line needs to play better across the board in the run game. How about Darius Slay, guys, who had a fascinating revelation on a team he almost ended up with. Listen to this. I was almost this close. A Baltimore Raven. I was this close. This close. But, you know, I wanted to be Eagle. I stayed an Eagle because I know me and Howard go figure something out. But the Baltimore Ravens was the first team that called, and they, they offered just what I wanted. And I just said, hey, if the Eagles do that, I'm going to stay an Eagle. So it was, it was nice now, man. I almost, I almost was a Raven. Nina, the Ravens were willing to spend big again on defense, it seems. Yeah. By the way, I love Darius Slay. He's going to be great on TV when he retires. Um, not surprising for in some ways because this is a Ravens team that has always prioritized investing in their secondary back to front. Actually, last year in 22, they spent the most cap on DBs of any team in the NFL. Marcus Peters is still a free agent. They go out. They want to get a good cornerback. It makes sense. However, if you're Lamar Jackson, at some point, you got to be like, y'all really going to keep spending on the secondary? Like, I can't get a wide receiver. I I'm just saying it's more of the same from Baltimore, which it's worked, but it also has some issues, I think, when you look at the offense. Yeah, and that's if Lamar's even still a Raven, so good point. Uh, now, 24 days until the draft, here's what Tennessee head coach Josh Heupel had to say about quarterback Hinden Hooker. I'm not sure anybody in college football has more on, on their plate than Hendon does. And then you throw in the, um, you know, the temple that we play at. You got to be a quick decision maker. You got to recognize defensive structure extremely quickly. Um, he controls uh, some of our run game. Uh, he controls, uh, you know, the RPO game, making a decision that on every snap. Um, he's got loaded box checks. He's got alerts. He's got kills. Um, he controlled the entire game on every single play. And I think that puts him in a great position to be able to transition to the next level, handle all that's coming at him, and uh, be able to handle it at a really high level. All right, so no team played faster than Tennessee over the last two seasons with Hooker at quarterback. The Vols ran a play about every 20 seconds in terms of time of possession, fastest in the FBS. Hooker was nearly perfect running that offense with the best touchdown to interception ratio in the country. We talked about this a little bit off to the side, guys. How does the style that Tennessee played actually factor into how you evaluate Hooker? It's something you guys have dealt with and these teams evaluating him are looking at as well. So, Mina, what do you think about that Tennessee offense and how it factors into what Hooker actually ends up being evaluated as? Yeah, first, this is my first time on the show talking about Hooker, so I want to start by saying what I like about his game. He's very accurate, throwing from yeah. the pocket. He has a strong arm. He is an incredible athlete. Like, yeah. we'll see, you know, I, I imagine he'll be able to bounce back nicely from the injury. Pre-injury, after Anthony Richardson, this is the best dual-threat quarterback rushing uh, rusher in the class. Um, he is extremely powerful and explosive on his feet. Now, as far as the offense, I, I got to say, I do think there is a ton of projection here. Watching this Tennessee offense, it's mostly RPOs, half-field reads. Very rarely is he asked to go through his progressions or even throw short intermediate with much anticipation. It just doesn't look like NFL football. 
emphasis on that's what he was asked to do. So I don't know if he's capable of doing more, mm. and I don't want to limit him. But whatever team takes him, in addition to there being a bit of a risk with the age, he is a bit older, and the injury, there also is a risk of making what I think is a bigger projection than any of the other top prospects in this class. Yeah, yeah really big Hendon Hooker fan. I was fortunate enough to call a couple of his games, both at Virginia Tech and Tennessee. Can confirm things very quickly. I just don't know mu how much volume he had to think of. You know, when you're yeah. running snaps every 20 seconds, you're basically getting the play done, running to the line of scrimmage, and then getting a ball snapped very quickly again. You're not handling a ton of verbiage. You're not handling a ton of at the line of scrimmage changes and or checks on a consistent basis. So if your team you know, like, this kid can think very quickly. I don't need me to call him a kid. He's 25. This young man can think very quickly. I just don't know much how, how much volume he's been tasked to kind of carry. Now, everyone says he is an incredibly intelligent young man. So you're encouraged by that. But can you transfer it from being able to do it on a board or a meeting room onto the field and still do it at a very high level. That's the question they have to figure out. One thing I will point out is the great leadership, too, out of Hooker at two different colleges and going to a new team in Tennessee and taking over that locker room in the way that he did. What a presence as we welcome in Matt Miller, our draft analyst. Matt, how do you deal with this conundrum of the scheme at Tennessee versus Hooker and his projection at the NFL level? Yeah, Laura, I think Hooker said it well himself at the combine when he was asked about his receivers being up all the time. He said, it's not my fault no one could cover my receivers. And he's absolutely right. No one could cover his receivers all season long. So there are a lot of throws that are wide open. There's a lot of tempo, like Dan said. I try to take him out of the scheme, just like we had to take Justin Herbert out of the scheme of Oregon, just like we have to take C.J. Stroud out of the scheme or Anthony Richardson out of the scheme. I want to look at the traits. He throws a beautiful deep ball. He had just five interceptions in the last two years, not this year, Two years. So I see somebody that throws conservatively. He's got a great soft touch. He can throw it over the top. He can put it in the basket for his guys. And he's a plus level athlete at the position yeah. at six foot three, probably around 215 pounds. So there is a lot to like. As with every quarterback, there are things he has to work on. But I'm encouraged by the signs that there's no deficiency. There's nothing lacking in his game. It's not like he has a weak arm or he has, you know, a poor internal clock where he's getting sacked every other play. I think there are a lot of very, very encouraging signs you could build on with Hendon. Yeah, certainly you got to take into consideration we'll have to heal from the ACL when he gets to the next level. That process already started. But to Hooker's point himself, let's watch how Jalen Hyatt uh, succeeds at the next level. I think he's going to be dynamic and people are going to say, oh, yeah, you know, maybe there was a reason why he got so much separation, not just scheme. All right, so Hooker will have plenty of recent examples to look at if he doesn't go in the first round. Three starting quarterbacks won a playoff game last season who were drafted in the second round or later. Jalen Hurts, a second round pick, came within a few plays of winning the Super Bowl, of course, and had incredible norm numbers and performance in that game. Brock Purdy went in the seventh round, the last guy picked, and Dak Prescott was a fourth round pick back in 2016. Matt, while we're at it, how about some QBs to watch outside of the top five at the position, starting with Dorian Thompson-Robinson? Yeah, Laura, if you want experience and athleticism, DTR is your guy because Chip Kelly had him running all over the field making plays. He's one of the more athletic quarterbacks in the class in terms of running ability, being able to execute, extend plays with his feet, but also getting involved in the RPO game. We saw multiple times where no one's open, he'll just pull it down and run it. And he was very successful at that the last two years. So your late round prospect, if you were a run-based offense, hint, hint, Baltimore Ravens, 
DTR is exactly what you need if you want to stay in that scheme you've been running all along. Now, Jaron Hall from BYU, a lot of people, myself included, thought this could be the next Zach Wilson, a player who climbed draft boards with a big season. The numbers didn't match up this year what we expected, but he's still a playmaker at the quarterback position, not surrounded by a lot of talent at BYU. There were times he had to be a little bit of a gunslinger, and that resulted in some poor decisions, but still not a lot of turnovers. He has the arm strength. He has the athleticism, so this is more of your developmental day three quarterback that I think could be a lot of fun in a situation like the Tennessee Titans. And then Stetson Bennett, everybody knows the name, back-to-back national championship awards. Someone who blew me away at the scouting combine with the deep ball that he showed. It was not expected. His deep ball looked better than Will Levis's, which is a, a pretty lofty comparison, but Bennett was fantastic. He showed athleticism. We know he's accurate. We know he's smart with the timing-based passing. So like Brock Purdy last year, if he gets in the right situation, he could be in play to carve up some defenses with that accuracy and timing underneath. Yeah, say what you want about Bennett, his age, whatever. He was 26-1 and as a starter in the last two seasons and won his final 17 starts at Georgia. There's something about him that leads to winning. All right, we got a lot more coming your way here on NFL Live next. Seattle hit the ground running this offseason by extending Geno Smith, but GM John Schneider says they're still not opposed to grabbing a QB in the draft. Hear what our resident Seahawks fan Mina has to say about that, as well as Dan's opinion. We'll get into it. You think they should take... What are you looking at? Very better than me. <laughs> no, it's not. It's been proven. No, never actually. This podcast is proud to be supported by Jets Pizza, the number one pick in Detroit style pizza. Why? It's simple. Jets is better. With the thickest, crispiest, cheesiest Detroit style pizza in the country, there's no competition. Right now, get $5 off any eight corner pizza with code 8SAVE. That's the number eight. S-A-V-E. Go to jetspizza.com to learn more and find a location near you. Again, try Jets' signature eight-corner pizza and get $5 off with code 8SAVE. That's the number eight, S-A-V-E. Jets Pizza. Better because it has to be. This podcast is proud to be supported by Jets Pizza, the number one pick in Detroit-style pizza. Why? It's simple. Jets is better. With the thickest, crispiest, cheesiest Detroit-style pizza in the country, there's no competition. Right now, get $5 off any 8-corner pizza with code 8SAVE. That's the number 8, S-A-V-E. Go to JetsPizza.com to learn more and find a location near you. Again, try Jets' signature 8-corner pizza and get $5 off with code 8SAVE. That's the number 8, S-A-V-E. Jets Pizza. Better because it has to be. Back on NFL Live, did anybody see this WrestleMania with George Kittle? And then you'll see Pat McAfee in just a little bit going against the Miz there, Dan. Uh, I don't know, man. This is a good job by Kittle. First of all, that's him going into the middle linebacker on a double team. We've seen that before. What is it? Yeah, this is absolutely ridiculous by McAfee. But dazzled tank top, by the way, too, for McAfee. I mean, that I don't care. Are you kidding me? how anybody is going to look at this, like whether it's real, fake, I don't like that hurts. I don't know. I told you to go up to the front step and just fall off and see how much it hurts, but you're pregnant. And I did it and it felt terrible. 
Um, we're good gonna job do, by those guys. They look good. Yeah, they did great. We're going to do WrestleMania on NFL Live, and Mina's going to take everyone down. All right, uh, <laughs> let's continue on. <laughs> Bring some attention to the Arizona Cardinals, guys. This is pretty interesting. They hold the third overall pick in the draft. It's now just a little over three weeks away. If you dive a little deeper into their roster, you see just how desolate they are at key positions, which begs the question, okay, do they hold on to that third overall pick or try to trade down and get as much draft capital as possible to build a roster that certainly needs it. Just as a reminder, Kyler Murray, recovering from a torn ACL he suffered in mid-December, is entering the second season of his five-year contract extension. The defense was 31st in points allowed last season. Jonathan Gannon takes over at head coach for a team that hadn't won a playoff game since 2015. So, Dan, with where the Cardinals are as a franchise, you think they should continue to look at that third pick and say we're going to draft somebody here or try to find a trade partner and trade down trade down capital yeah I could the Cardinals are in the best position of this draft outside of Carolina and Houston one and two because they have such a roster that is deprived of talent that's the reality I mean if you look at their past couple of drafts and those early rounds we did this last week with the Raiders this is in the first two rounds of the last five drafts Half of the guys aren't even on the football team. And a lot of those guys, outside of Buddha, they've become question marks of are they going to pan out to be the player that they were expected to be when where they were drafted. Not only do they have a new head coach in Jonathan Gannon, this is a really new regime. Monty Ford is their new general manager. He's been at two stops previous to where he is right now. New England and Tennessee. When I think of New England and Tennessee, I think of building on both sides of the line of scrimmage. So Arizona sitting at three has got to hope and pray, and I think it's likely that a team falls in love with one of those quarterbacks, the third one moves up, and they can acquire some extra picks to try to add to a, a roster that really needs talent on the defensive side of the football specifically. What a shame it would be if Will Anderson fell to the Seahawks at five. You just hate to see it. <laughs> oh, no, I'm, I'm taking off my fan hat uh, to say I completely agree with Dan neutrally um, and for the same reason that we used when we talked about the Bears and their decision yes. to trade down they, they face the same question which is do you trade down to the point where you lose a shot at Will Anderson or Jalen Carter if you view him as an equal blue chipper and as with the Bears the Cardinals are in a similar situ similar situation where they need so much on both sides of the football really but especially on defense uh, that you really have to seriously consider it, especially if a first-rounder is on the table, as it might yeah. be for a team to move up to three. And I'll say this about the Cardinals, because I know this sounds pretty negative. Um, I actually think there's a positive spin on this, which is this is a team that clearly came into this year knowing that they're rebuilding. They could have mm. muddled along with the previous administration. They could have signed free agents. They didn't do that. They are wiping the slate clean and I think they're going to take the same approach to the draft with self-awareness in mind. It's going to be so good when Will Anderson's there at five and the Seahawks and John Schneider take Bijan Robinson and Mina loses her mind. <laughs> no, I'm just joking. Or you maybe know, a quarterback. Two other things I think that are interesting to look at, MK, um, when it comes to their roster. One, if they move on from Hop, they really have – this is a new offense that's going to be coming from the yeah. Shanahan tree. So Hollywood Brown probably fits in, but is Rondell Moore the ideal number two? And then you can make the case that this is a team because they have two third-round picks that could be looking at a quarterback in the second or third round because Colt McCoy is there for one more year, and we don't know what Kyler is going to be coming off of this injury. Yeah, I mean, listen, I don't know if Hinton Hooker is even still there at that point. We just talked about him. Could be a nice fit. Adam, you heard Dan mentioning DeAndre Hopkins there. What more can you tell us about his situation? 
Well, here's the issue. The Cardinals are in a tough spot because DeAndre Hopkins is one of the most talented wide receivers in the National Football League. But, but there's not a team out there that's willing to pay him seemingly the $19.45 million in base salary right now. And so you have the Cardinals in the difficult predicament where that compromises any of the value that they could get back in return for DeAndre Hopkins so that if and when he is traded and he's not expected to be back in Arizona next year, if and when he is traded, it's not going to be for the return that some people might think it would be for a player of his caliber Mm -hmm. because essentially that contract is prohibitive. And so any team that trades for him would want to do a new deal with him. He's got to be open to that. He may not want to go to certain places. They may not be willing to pay him enough. It puts Arizona in a real difficult spot. And yes, we all think of DeAndre Hopkins and the circus catches and great plays. But when you're talking about him being traded, the value is not going to be there the way that you would ordinarily think it might be. Yeah, he's got a salary cap hit of over 30 million this coming season. That's the Ooh. highest among all wide receivers uh, in and seventh in the entire league. Okay, so not even just wide receivers. Guys, let's get to the Seahawks. Okay, we kind of laughed a little bit at all the selfies they took with every quarterback during the pro days. Then they are with C.J. Stroud. Then they went to Bryce Young. And then I, I guarantee you we'll see Will Levis here. Of course, they had to get Anthony Richardson in the big selfie. They had this kind of theme where they were tweeting these all out. We wondered what Geno Smith was thinking about that. Well, here's a little bit more from GM John Snyder. You know, when our exit interviews with Geno and with Drew, you know, we told both those guys, hey, look, we haven't we haven't picked up here, you know, in a long, long time. And, you know, um, you know, there's a chance we don't, can't say we will or we won't, but, you know, we'd love to have you guys both back, but we don't know if we are going to take a quarterback or we're not. We just don't know yet. All right, so at least they're being forward with it. If the Seahawks do take a quarterback, it would be the latest example of a team being more patient with their first-round quarterback. Of the 24 quarterbacks drafted in the first round since 2016, only seven of them started their team's season opener. Less than 20% started every game as a rookie. They're in a nice spot because they already have a proven guy there and a guy who's coming off a great season in Geno Smith could give them some opportunity to wait and get a guy really formulated into their system. But, Dan, what do you think? Should the Seahawks be looking to draft a quarterback at five or build elsewhere from their playoff roster from a year ago? Only if the guy that they absolutely love falls to them and they want to be the Kansas City Chiefs, the Buffalo Bills, or the Ravens. Hmm. Remember, when all three of those teams drafted Lamar Jackson, Josh Allen, and and Patrick Mahomes, they had good starters in place and either traded up in the first round or back into the first round to go get him. So sitting at five, I don't think you force it. If the guy that you love somehow falls to you, then you take it because you take him when you want to rather than you need to. Yeah, I'm in complete agreement. Uh, And I frankly only think that guy is Anthony Richardson. If they love Anthony Richardson because of his upside, I think it makes sense because John Schneider's right. They don't pick there a lot. I don't think they're going to pick there again anytime soon. That said, uh, I would be hesitant and I think there is that high bar of love for a couple of reasons one Geno Smith played like a top 10 quarterback last year people saying it's a one like flash in the pan well we didn't see the guy play football forever (laughs) so I actually think there's a reason to be optimistic he can repeat it the other thing is this is a good roster I loved Mm. what they did in free agency on defense Julian Love super underrated signing at safety Draymond Jones up front you bring in Bobby Wagner at linebacker really all they need is juice at pass rusher And it seems like that's going to be available for them at pick five. The NFC is wide open. We were just talking about how bad the Cardinals are. The Rams are right there. 
The Seahawks should be able to contend this year with Geno Smith. Yeah, I mean, I think that's the point is you, you have a division that is not good right now. The Cardinals are terrible. The Rams are rebuilding. Who knows what the 49ers will look like because we don't know who their quarterback will be. So I look at this as a rare opportunity to really pull ahead in a division that is as wide open as it's been in quite some time since Seattle was running the division, really. So at five, if Anthony Richardson is there, absolutely go for it because he does have an, really an untouchable ceiling where everything's possible with him, especially as Dan said, if he gets to be on that Patrick Mahomes plan of sitting, learning, working on the mechanics. But this is also an opportunity where you have a young left tackle, a young right tackle. You hit on those picks. Now you can go at 5-20, and 20, really bolster your defense, especially if Will Anderson's there. This is a non-starter. Like, we're not even talking about this if Will Anderson's there because they have to turn that card in immediately. But this is a deep defensive end class with Tyree Wilson. Lucas Van Ness from Iowa is in the mix there. So it is a really good year to get that juice, like you said, Mina, at pass rusher. And then at 20, you could look at a defensive tackle. You could look at a safety or a corner. So this is such a good year for Seattle to really double down and build a, a strength on defense again that can get you back to Super Bowls. Yeah, I, I think all of us agree that Anthony's – I would be very surprised if he's out there. They're at five right now. MK, who was the last legit pass rusher Seattle had? Legit one. Well, Frank Clark, I would say, who was a bit of a surprise draft pick, he produced at a high level for them on his rookie contract. So we're looking at like five or six years ago, maybe it's a little bit a more. Minute. Yeah. Right? So, I mean, if he's not there, that inside or outside is the likelihood or, or the most needed aspect for them. I mean, you could go either. They did bring in, I mentioned Draymond uh -huh. Jones, but again, like if it's Jalen Carter versus an edge rusher who's not Will Anderson, Jalen Carter to me, would be a better pick for them because of the okay. talent. We'll keep an eye on Jalen Carter's visits. And, guys, this yeah. in new on NFL Live from Jeremy Fowler. Anthony Richardson, who we're talking about, begins his pre-draft visits with the Raiders on Friday for a source. Richardson will visit six teams, including Carolina, which hosts multiple top quarterbacks as part of its top 30 visits. Something to keep an eye on there. Feel sure the Seahawks will be part of that mix when it comes to taking the visits for Richardson. Coming up on NFL Live with the draft around the corner, Matt Miller gives us his player comparisons here with wide receivers in this class. He's comparing to C.D. Lamb and T. Higgins. That's up next. You don't want to miss it. We'll be right back on ESPN. We all know breakfast is an important part of your day, but sometimes when you're traveling for business, you end up staying at a hotel that doesn't offer any. You know what happens? You grab a cup of coffee and skip the meal entirely. We've all been there. But if you book a room at La Quinta by Wyndham, you can enjoy their free bright side breakfast featuring delicious baked goods, fruit, eggs, yogurt, and waffles. And really, who doesn't want to start their day with a fresh, hot waffle? Tonight, La Quinta, tomorrow you shine. Book direct at LQ.com. Hi, it's Mike Greenberg letting you know ESPN Bet is ready to take you through all the biggest sports moments this spring. The official sportsbook of ESPN has exclusive offers and markets from Scott Van Pelt, Stephen A. Smith, and me, plus many more. From the playoff intensity to finally getting out to the ballpark, there's no better time for sports fans. Sign up today. New users get a bet reset up to $1,000 in bonus bets if your first bet doesn't win. Download ESPN Bet today. What a play. Must be 21-plus and present in select states. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER. Terms and conditions apply. See app for details. This class of quarterbacks, they each were born to take this stage. The only question is, which team believes enough to take them? The NFL Draft begins April 27th. 
on ESPN and ABC. I would say that too. Rick okay. Woo! Woo! Yeah. Wow. It's almost here. Time to have a little fun on NFL Live with some Matt Miller draft comps. So our draft analyst Matt Miller is going to give us a player who he compares to and then Mina and Dan get to respond. Let's go, people. We start out with tight end Michael Mayer. <laughs> Matt, who does he remind you of? Yeah, everyone wanted to call him Baby Gronk a couple years ago. I'm not crazy. I'm not doing that. But I think TJ Hawkinson is a realistic comp for Michael Mayer. He's a classic inline tight end. He's going to beat you up with option routes. He's great at finding soft zones, sitting down, making himself a big target. He does not drop the football as a receiver. And, oh, by the way, he can actually block in the run game, which a lot of tight ends don't want to do in college football anymore. Mayer's my number one tight end. He should be a top 25 pick. I think he'll be one of the rare rookie starters at tight end that actually contribute in the passing game. Yeah, Matt, I, I like that. I think the word that comes to mind with both of these players is balanced. Uh, much like T.J. Hawkinson coming out of Iowa, Michael Mayer can do it all. He can block. He can run routes. He's surprisingly good off the line of scrimmage, and I think underrated as a route runner, too. Um, if I had to nitpick and find one difference, I think Hawkinson was a little bit more fluid, and Mayer has unreal hands. Hawkinson had good hands. Michael Mayer comes down with literally everything thrown in his direction. Such a deep tight end class. How about wide receiver Matt Jackson Smith in Jigba? Go ahead with your comp. Yeah, JSN, my number five overall player in this draft class. I don't even care that he only played three games this past year. Now, I see C.D. Lamb. Now, C.D. was a little more fiscal as a wide receiver coming out of Oklahoma, but we're talking about wide receivers that just beat you with short area quickness, balance, body control, elite lateral agility. That's who JSN is. He's not going to beat you with a ton of over-the-top speed, a lot of burst. It's just precise route running, great hands. He is a quarterback's best friend coming out of Ohio State. Yeah, I don't hate that. I, for me, Matt, he's just a smoother Amon Ross St. Brown. Like, you think Amon Ross is a little bit more sudden, but Jackson, we've talked about him. One, can you separate from defenders? Down the field specifically, absolutely. Two, do you understand windows and body language and leverage? I think he does that really well. Tracks the ball incredibly well. That catch in the Rose Bowl was as good as it gonna, is going to get. So, CD, a little bit more physical to your point. I love JSN. Let's go to the defensive side of the ball. How about Tyree Wilson for you, Matt? Yeah, Mina's going to remember this guy, Frank Clark. She was just talking about him, so it's an easy cop. But the length is there, and I think a lot like Frank was coming out of Michigan, Tyree Wilson is a work in progress. He's learning how to use his physical tools, but it jumps off the tape. The way he sets people up with quickness, length, and then surprisingly strong hands. He has a lot of power in his arms, a lot of ability to create separation and then counter on underneath moves. Tyree Wilson, probably top 10 pick when we get to late April, guys. So I had not thought of this until you said it, but I went back because I remember thinking Frank Clark was long out of college. Uh, Tyree Wilson's wings, he, he was long, by the way. He had very, very long arms. Tyree Wilson's length, length is even greater. I mean, the dude has an unreal wingspan. Much like Clark, he's really good at converting speed to power. He does need to work on his moves. Again, not too similar from Clark in, polish, uh, in college, but I think the two words that come to mind are length and power that connect both of these two players. And finally, let's get to Quentin Johnston. Matt, who does he remind you of on the NFL level? Yeah, I've changed my comp on Quentin Johnston a few times this year, but T. Higgins is another wide receiver who has vertical stretch speed, but also just beats people up with those 50-50 catches. He's going to win at the catch point. 
Quentin Johnston made money doing this against Big 12 defenses. We also saw him do it in the college football playoffs. He has an ability to high point the ball. There's a ton of physicality there. He's got to clean up things. There's some injury issues that happened early in the year. There's some drop issues on tape. But I think the ceiling for him being six foot four, running a 4-4, the ceiling is very high for Quentin Johnston. Yeah, I agree. I'll ask you this question, Matt. Who was the last big-bodied receiver that was a physical freak athletically who had drop issues that went to the NFL and was really good? Yeah, there aren't many. There, there really aren't. I think you go back to maybe Mike Williams coming out of Clemson, uh, but he didn't have the same type of drops. There are times Quentin Johnston just flat out drops the ball. Yeah. It's not a it's not a contested drop. It's a drop. So that's why he's number 30 on my big board right now, though, Dan, gotcha. because the drops, 12% drop rate, that's an issue. All right, so that ended a little negative. Let me take it back to positive. Johnston averaged just under 19 yards per reception in his TCU career, the most among the top wide receiver prospects in this year's draft. All right, we got a lot more coming your way here on NFL Live, so keep it locked. When we come back, we get into the Jaguars. They've turned things around and look to build off last year's playoff win. But Dan thinks even with their stacked offense, there's still some things on that side of the ball that need to be addressed. We'll get into that next. NFL Live is brought to you by Liberty Mutual Insurance. Only pay for what you need. back on NFL Live. Hey, how about the Jacksonville Jaguars, who just one year after having the number one overall pick, able to win the AFC South in a playoff game. Trevor Lawrence made strides, and Doug Peterson was back to his creative ways. Here's Jags owner Shad Khan on what worked well for them. The vibe I get is uh, that, uh, you know, I think we've cracked the code. <laughs> you know, we've got a great uh, head coach, mm -hmm. uh, we've got a great general manager, and we have a great quarterback. And that's the trifecta for success in the NFL. We've got the draft uh, primarily to develop players for the future and a system that is sustainable. Yeah, you guys are on to something in Jacksonville, okay? The Jaguars coming off their first divisional title since 2017. We'll have the 24th pick in this year's first round, by the way. And Trevor Lawrence turned it on in the second half, ranking second in the league in both completion percentage and touchdown-to-interception ratio over those final pivotal 10 weeks. He'll have a new receiver to throw to. Calvin Ridley eligible to play following his suspension. We're in number zero, by the way. So, Dan, how can the Jaguars capitalize on their momentum from the end of last year? Don't allow last year's success to mask your flaws. Truth, you won your division, and Trevor Lawrence took a massive step forward. Reality, you had the 31st-ranked pass-blocking offensive line in the NFL. And so I look at this upcoming draft, and I sit there and say, if you really want the quarterback to become the number one player that we think he's capable of doing it, treat like the Chiefs did Patrick Mahomes, mm -hmm. no draw offensive line. Like the, the Bengals have not forgotten about, build around Joe Burrow and protect him. I, they got skill possessions galore. You got to address your offensive line in depth to make sure you keep that young player, Trevor Lawrence, upright. I hear you on the offensive line. I think some of it will depend on um, how they view Walker Little, who's going to be the starting right, right tackle. tackle this year. Yep. But to get out of the AFC, and to be clear, that should be this team's goal. They should be thinking Super Bowl. Agreed. They got to get better on pass defense, Dan. This is a team that finished 30th in pass DVOA. Um, they didn't rank high in sacks, but they actually finished top 10 in pass rush win rate and pressure rate. The issue to me is entirely on the back end. Picking at 24, there are a lot of cornerbacks I like that I think are going to be available there. 
So I think that's something that Jacksonville has to seriously consider because if you want to stop Burrow and Mahomes, you got to be able to stop the pass. Yeah, I mean, you're absolutely right. And I, I'll be anxious to see as well the development of guys as we get into year two of this system. Do we see Trevon Walker, who was the number one overall pick, yeah. step up? Do we see uh, Tyson Campbell, who was a first-round pick at 21, step up? But I think it's the defensive line. I would love to see offensive line play. The value's just not there in this draft late in the first round. But the defensive line, where you could get someone like Clemson defensive tackle Brian Brzee, who can be that kind of enforcer as a six foot five, 300-pound run stuffer who can push the pile, can get after the quarterback. I think that's more what they need up front so that they can open lanes for Josh Allen, so they can open lanes for Trevon Walker. And as we all know, a good pass rush is going to help those guys in coverage as well. So if they see a situation where, listen, this is a weak O-line class on the interior. It is a weak safety class this draft is. So if you don't love the corner value, which I'm with you, Mina, corner is a need for them, you can maybe address the pass rush, try to open some doors to boost that and be able to pressure some of these quarterbacks so that you're taking a lot of that anxiety away from your corner so they're not having to cover for so long back there. Yeah. The, the reason why I talk about the offensive line, because when Doug Peterson was the head coach of Philly and they won the Super Bowl in 17, they had the number one ranked rushing attack in the NFL. And I just think philosophically and identity, while Calvin's coming along and Trevor's there, that's who they want to be. Uh, Matt, and MK, I'll ask you this question. Defensively, I think it revolves around this. Philosophically, do you think it's more important to have people to get to the quarterback, or do you think it's more important to have people to cover? Because if it's the cover people, then I could see taking another cover person trying to match up against a Cincy with their weapons or a Kansas City with Patrick. Yeah, this is a moderately aggressive defense under Mike Caldwell. I think part of the reason why I'm prioritizing coverage is something that Matt alluded to. They've invested so much already in the pass rush. Josh Allen is there. We need to see, uh, you know, if Trevon Walker can get there. I think the secondary at this point, especially with Shaquille Griffin walking out the door, that's an area where they can still invest. And I just love this quarterback class. Yeah, Josh Allen on the defensive side, too. I mean, talk about a guy that holds himself accountable. Dan, I'm curious, what do you think the immediate impact from Calvin Ridley is, knowing that he hasn't played football in a long time? We're excited, but... cannot wait for this. If Calvin Ridley is what Calvin Ridley was before the suspension, we're talking about an offense that can go punch for punch with Kansas City, with Buffalo, with Miami. He's that talented. And he's going to make Christian Kirk's job so much easier. Evan Ingram is going to only be elevated. And we will see Travis Etienne have some of those lighter boxes and being able to run versus, you know, more of a numbers advantage. So his performance is a huge part of this conversation. Big night, guys, with the Men's Hoops National Championship. Uh, And shout out, by the way, to LSU for winning the women's yesterday. Dan's UConn Huskies playing San Diego State. (laughs) Tonight, and listen, for all this, you know, we got to go through our notable alumni we have working with us. Dan, former San Diego State DB Herm Edwards had a message for you before tonight's game. Oh. Dan, I know you're on NFL Live today, and you're probably <laughs> going to talk about Aaron Rodgers and Lamar Jackson. But there's a basketball game tonight. That's funny. Your Huskies versus my Aztecs. And I know you're probably sitting in the studio thinking, where am I going to ride on the float when this game's over with, right? Because you're already planning a parade. But not so fast, my friend. These guys play great defense. The best defense in college basketball. So look out. Don't plan that parade too fast. Good luck to you tonight. (laughs) I got one thing to respond with. Hopefully there's people in studio with me on this one. U-C-O-N-N! UConn! 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 
I mean, I am a Connecticut resident, happy, so coach. go Huskies. There we go. Uh, <laughs> I know. Also, shout out to my grandma, Emmy. I'm thinking about you, Emmy, and glad you're watching today. We'll see you guys tomorrow. Sorry.